0: Hi everyone, this is Graham Cowan and welcome to the Caring CEO podcast. We create this podcast because we believe that every leader's number one priority is to build a more caring and resilient team who enjoys growing together. It is my job to interview CEOs and other senior leaders who value building both a culture of care and a culture of high performance. I'm very keen to understand how they do this and I'm sure there'll be lots of insights and tips for anyone who wants to build a high-performing team. Mark Fazio is the co-founder of Mate Telecommunications with his identical twin brother, David. Their desks are side-by-side, and they have a lot of fun swapping desks to confuse their teammates. Mate is the exact opposite of a giant faceless telecommunications company. In fact, for Mate, family is everything. This strong focus on family has driven mates' consistently local, Australian-focused, customer service-centred business. They now employ 70-plus people, 19 of whom are actually family, and they have a variety coming each day to prepare a home-cooked meal. Impressively, in 2021, they have won CanStar's Most Satisfied MBN Customers Award and Customer Service Team of the Year. They have an average service rating of 4.5 out of 5, coming from over 2,000 customer reviews. They've this customer success to every employee being able to solve a customer's query or problem, and they don't have to transfer them to someone else. Doesn't that sound great? <laughs> Prior to his role, Mark worked for seven years with Microsoft in Australia and Singapore, and learned a lot about the importance of a purpose-led company through this experience made high for attitude and are willing to train the right candidates, and have made many great recruitment decisions following this formula. Mark explains how having a caring culture has helped them to achieve great results. He also explains how every single employee is given sole responsibility for one element of their operation. That's uh, really quite interesting that. In these days, the so-called corporate efficiencies with overseas call centres this is a really refreshing approach. Enjoy. It's my pleasure to welcome Mark Fazio, the General Manager of Mate Telecommunications. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Graham. Thanks for having me. It's an
1: absolute pleasure to be here. What does uh, care in the workplace mean to you, Mark? Yeah, um, it's a it's a it's a good question, right? Um, I think you know the usual answers you get is making sure that you have the right balance, the right support, uh, and being empowering as a leader. But I mean, we we simply put it down to the ability to make a living that puts uh, uh, it's, it's the flexibility to be able to make a living in our business that puts less pressure on your personal life, um, and and that's 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 what we put it down to. So because our view is that making a living is all about Creating opportunities for for your personal life, you know whether you want to buy a house, buy a new car, you know send your kids to school, etc. And and work uh, should be flexible enough to support that because you're you're there to make that money to make those those goals a reality, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, mate, you've you've done a lot of work to create the right culture, haven't you? Can you just explain a bit a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, our culture has come from from day one. So, I mean, it comes back to the reason why we started the business and and where it started. And uh, you know, the, my uh, the CEO is my identical twin brother David, which is pretty unique, right? Um, you know, we decided to make a, a, a create a business probably uh, back in the beginning of two thousand sixteen, and the whole purpose of it was to take the uh I'm, I'm, well my twin brother was working for a corporate role back then selling networks to people like us at mate and he probably suffered heavily from anxiety from from a corporate world had a young family and it was really getting to him and but we had we had a concept and an idea of to, to create a business that would hopefully give us some financial freedom take the the traditional stress away from the corporate world and um and, th- and that's where we went right um and and, and the culture built from there because we literally started the the business in my auntie's backyard with a a pc on top of a filing cabinet Um, and every day my auntie would come in and obviously bring lunch to my brother david in that backyard the business grew to 30 people and thirty thousand customers to the point we had swipe cards um, going from my auntie's yard to go to the backyard where we had the business Um, and but what stayed core to that that part of that business was my auntie cooking lunch every day for for the guy, uh, the guys and the girls in the office and then since then obviously two thousand and nineteen we we only two thousand and nineteen we moved to obviously a proper uh, biz, uh, proper office where we've got over seventy staff now but Again, if I talk about culture, my, we took our auntie with us, so we've got the, <laughs> all the business upstairs, downstairs we've got the lunch room and a gym, etc. But my auntie is still there cooking home uh, home cooked meal, Italian meals for all our all our staff, and which is something that builds the, uh something that that uh, I guess pin, pinpoints the culture of our business, which is family. And if I look at the staff in our business. The first nineteen staff were cousins or, or brothers or siblings, right? <laughs> so we ran out of family to hire, and, and so you know our family is very involved uh, with our business. And uh, and if you and if you become a member of the mate team, you become a member of our family. And I think that's where it all came from, and and that just goes right through the business, which I think in other facts makes it just mean more, right? I guess there is the potential
0: downside with family, you know, some difficulty in raising prickly issues and you've known each other for a long time. How do you ensure that, you know, you're not too nice and don't stop cu- talking about the tough stuff?
1: Yeah, and, and, and everybody asks the same question, right? Um, I think, uh, you know, all the, all the cousins that, that work in the business are on my mum's side of the family. Um, and we've always been very close, and I think it's you know the the, the credit goes to our our mothers and our, um, our aunties, and uncles, um, our, our parents, obviously that made us so close during the, during the years of growing up, if that made sense, and. Um, and I think it comes down to that. But there, there is always, there's always, I mean, we're not always going to agree, uh, whether we're family or not. And they always say you can't pick your family, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think in our business, we're very structured and, and very planned. And I think that's what allows us to win. So no one overlaps. If you look at the, the executive team, we've got somebody who owns the the, the tech and, and legal side of things, and, uh, and that doesn't overlap with somebody who also owns operations commercials finance and sales and marketing which is what I do and I think we're, we're, we're very structured and, and very um, listed of who does what and and we don't have a overlap we always got our opinions but um, we, all, we always trust each other with um, with the parts that we own in the business and I think the type of trust that you can't get uh, the type of trust that you get with family is second to none right? Uh, and so I think you, the trust is built from the day we were born uh, and now we're just in business together and we're trusting each other in different ways. And, and so the trust doesn't go away. it's just We're just trusting them with new and uh, bigger things, if that makes sense.
0: You had a, uh, a corporate career before, you know, being involved in this business. Can you just give people a, a bit of a quick overview about how what you did which led you to starting Mates?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think... I can talk about every job, but I, I think uh, the, the biggest opportunity I had was back in 2004. Um, I worked as a um, customer service manager for uh, a VoIP company called Engine, um, and at that time, um, Engine was the first consumer VoIP offering in the in the Australian market. So we literally um, produced a, what they call a voice box that we put on retail shelves for consumers to take home and make calls via the internet and to get the savings that went along with that. And that was very ahead of its time. The only thing that was around at that time was Skype, uh, which was peer to peer. Right? It was an it was an um, pick up the phone and making a call. And and at that time, uh, it was a brand new business. And um, and as a guy named Matt Farmer, who's now the head of retail at TP Link, um, he he was our sales manager at that time. And he said to me, "Do you want to be the account manager of Dick Smith?" Um, and and all those people. And I said. I've not got the hell. I've got no clue what you're talking about. Um, but but I like talking to people, and I mean I'm, I'm up for doing something else. So he gave me this crack. Um, he, he knew what I what I knew in knowledge and and support and um, nurturing relationships. Um, he I would get I would I would I would get back in the the other side of things that were required, and he gave me the biggest opportunity, and I took it and I went for it. Right, and and then lo and behold, you know it got me to you know I worked at. Um, Blackberry and um, 20th Century Fox, and then landed probably my my best eight years of my corporate life in Microsoft, where I, you know, I took on products like Xbox and Surface tablets, and you know, I took on an Asia based role. So I moved to Singapore and managed um, uh, product categories across and marketing categories across Asia, across different countries, and. Yeah, I mean, uh, if if you talk about one point that got me to where I am, that's the uh, Matt Farmer, and you probably listen to this, giving me the opportunity to take on a a, uh, a national account at probably twenty uh, three years twenty three years old without any experience, and uh, I just thought this is my opportunity to to create my career.
0: Yeah, I, I have a, a similar experience. I work with a division of uh, Pfizer, and um, the guy who was the managing director of that business, Jack Komani you know, he. Promoted me to marketing manager, and uh, <laughs> I thought, "Oh God, can I do this?" And but then I thought, "Well, if he thinks I can do it, maybe I can." Yeah, and uh, I, I do love that as a as a leadership strategy to treat people one step above what they already are, and uh, they grow into it. They really do.
1: Yeah, and, and if I if I talk about that a little bit, so um, in in my team at Mate, so I mean, I, I ultimately we do everybody does a bit of everything, but. The part that I own is sales and marketing, and and the, the the day I decided to move back from Singapore because everything I did, on, mate, was on the weekends before I moved back from Singapore. All right? <laughs> um, and so and obviously it's a it's a you know it's a completely different business today of what it was. But um, you know, it was a I was a one man team to start with, right, from a sales and marketing perspective, and and now we've got uh, six people on the team, and not one apart from one person. Um, everybody has been promoted within the business not because of their experience but because of their determination and their attitude to win and so um you know like uh, the the same the same opportunities that a that matt farmer gave me I, i've given to i like to think i've given to five other people on my team who have just excelled and, mm-hmm. and i think sometimes you can you can learn you can learn things or you can have experience but um people people just have a different mindset to to succeed and i think they may not have the knowledge, but if they've got the mindset to succeed, the rest will come with it in some ways. Uh, and obviously, it doesn't stay true to every situation. But in my experience, this is what's happened. What do you think are the keys to a great team? Uh, uh, keys to a great team. It comes down to loyalty and trust to start with, right? The people that you hire need to be uh, taken. Need to understand the journey that you're on from day one. Need to understand the expectations that that come with it, but also through thick and thin, through bad and and good, they need to hold their head high uh, because they need to stay strong to the course, right? Nothing's going to go, nothing's not not always going to go to plan and trust me, our plan for mate has changed about 90,000 times. (laughs) But but what stayed true is that the, the people involved in the business have been loyal to the course no matter where it went or where it didn't go um, and you can and, and they've trusted what you've said and even if you've made mistakes, so I've made a heap of mistakes, uh, but they're not mistakes or, uh, that are personal mistakes or or against people they're mistakes because we thought something was going to work but something changed and it didn't work but the 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 outcome is always the same plan, right,
0: yeah. I'd just like to jump back a second to your time at Microsoft and uh, they they are now, I think, the number one most valuable company
1: in the world. What do you think is the core to that success? Well, you know, I, 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 well, so first of all, Microsoft taught me so much about what I do today and how to treat people from an organisation perspective. But if I go back to the first day I started at Microsoft, it was a very different business. It was back in the day. Um, Steve Bormer was still the, the head then. And I was there right at the beginning of the transition of, to Sacha, right? Um, and, I, and I think you mentioned, Graham, that you've read Satcher's book, right, in the past. But, but I mean, my opinion is it starts, every business starts from the top down, right? Um, the, and you could, the, from the, I'll tell you the truth that the first six months I was at Microsoft, I was, I was ready to quit. I wasn't. I wasn't happy with the way things were. I wasn't happy with the culture. Uh, to a certain degree, there were things that I just didn't agree with. And I reckon within that first year and a half, lucky I stuck it out because Sacha came on board, and honestly, it changed the world. Changed like things. Like, I had. I had opportunities to be involved in philanthropy campaigns. So not only was I and take and take days off from work to go and do things that matter. Uh, I think that that just made me want to work harder for Microsoft. Right and. I mean, the, you could talk about so many different things, but the culture and the, and sort of the, um, the values that Sacha delivered to the business changed it and to where it is today. And I think that that opened people's minds. Well, what more can we do? Like that's where new products came from, you know, because people believed in people, believe people believed in working with each other. And so, and that's where the, the mindset of, of all these people with all these ideas came up with all these new products and ideas and. I mean, you see them. They're, they're killing it at the moment, right?
0: Yeah, they really are. And I, I was fortunate enough to see the initial address that he that he gave to Microsoft employees when he started, and it was all about uh, you know purpose using Microsoft to solve problems that are that are that are important to you. And and in his case, he had. Uh, uh, some children with some learning difficulties and talk about how technology could help them and then challenged everyone to think about, you know, what problems do you want to solve? And it's it's remarkable when you think of an organisation that size, how long did it take from when you started to when you started to feel things were different?
1: Uh, I, I, so if I, if I remember correctly, so maybe my eighth or ninth month month i was there that he he started getting to get into he took his took on his role and the transition happened i reckon probably six months after that you really saw you really felt the 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 presence of him right um just when he even changed the to the mission statement and so will, i'll never forget it you know empowering every person and organization on the planet to achieve more right um that one line just says so much right and i reckon six months within the, the within six months we start. and f- remember how big the organization is and how many countries are involved to land in my little department in australia um and to fill that is is phenomenal, right? And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, to me, in an organisation that big, six months—that's pretty quick, in my opinion. Oh, remarkable, remarkable! An organisation that size.
0: And how? What? What did you learn from that that you want to make part of of your DNA, mate's DNA?
1: Oh, that you have no business about the right people, or you have no you have no successful business. Unless the the people in the business believe in what you're trying to achieve, um, and and believe in the journey that you're going on, that's absolutely what I took from that. Um, you know that uh, that the empowerment of of people that that the business gave us to be able to achieve the goals in our in our little area uh, was the all you needed to want to fight and work hard and and deliver on the right outcomes and fight for every every. Aspect of it, right? That's, I mean, if I take one thing, that's what I took out of it. Um, and I feel like I've always had that because now I've come from an Italian family that where my parents migrated from Italy with nothing, uh, without speaking a word of English, learned a trade, learned English, you know, worked their bums off six days a week with four boys and we ate a lot, right? Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, they put us through school and all these different things to make sure that we didn't have to go through the struggles they had to go through. So, you know, we will, We we always felt like that. Uh, we always felt like we had everything when sometimes we probably had very minimal, right? And so I, I feel like we had that. And then going to Microsoft and the way Satya delivered that to the business and those values meant that you know what? I feel like I'm working for m- uh, my family, my my, my parents. It's uh, that family culture sort of shone through in his values, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and and you know when I look through some of the background to your organization um there are a lot of things to reward you know reward family involvement I think uh, reading the values you had authenticity inclusion simplicity family um how do you try to embed those four values
1: um we so I mean in, I wouldn't say there's a formal ways but we as an executive team we talk about them Uh you know uh we we you know like we do things like um if i look at inclusion for example because i mean inclusion comes in uh, mo- uh, many different ways you know where it comes from all different things that you know that of life but one thing we try and do is make sure that everybody's included everybody sees like their role in the business matters as well as you know as the different things so for example we have everybody in our business owns something whether it was whether it's choosing the snacks that go into the vending machine, or the type of coffee that we have, or the you know like um, you know who runs the table tennis competition downstairs, and so on and so forth, everybody in the business owns something for everybody, and I think that's our true way of of inclusion, right? Um, you know, and and it, it, and I think that's important because, like, I mean, for example, I talk about a guy, uh, Mark, right? Mark or, or, or Racco, we call him in the business. He owns choosing the coffee for the business, right? And <laughs> you know, for everybody, right? Because everybody likes the coffee. And so and and everybody and he owns that for the whole business. So it's a big like to him, it's a big thing. Oh, you know what? I chose that. You're happy with that coffee? I chose that. You know <laughs> I know it's only coffee, but it but he owns something, right? Yeah. You know? I like that. And and that that's why I said because it's, not everybody can own every every huge decision, but they can own, there's always something that they can own, right? You know, like for example, we've got Adrian in our business who owns the gym equipment that goes into our gym, right? Yeah. I should use a lot more, but one day I will. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, like, he chooses the, the equipment that goes in the, office, um, in the office. So what he's done, he's doing, he's now empowered to do, you know, gym sessions, organise boxing classes and things like that, and he owns that for the business. And these guys are part of the executive team, but they feel like they're making executive decisions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I really I really like that. You um this year Canstar awarded you the most satis- most satisfied customers in the NBN category. Now you're obviously competing against some very big players there. How did you how did you do that? How do you how do you have such great customer service?
1: Uh Well, first of all, um, look, I mean, I can always talk about, I feel like, um, and I'm going to give credit to my twin brother here because he's the operational guy, right? And I think uh, planning, process, communication is our big three things that we always talk about. Um, You know, we know we're not always going to be perfect. We're not always going to have the best systems, but planning the process and communication allows us to succeed. So that's the theory side of things. Um, on in the practical side of things, um, we made a very strong, made a very direct decision to keep all our service onshore and not offshore. And and that's not to say that offshoring is a problem. The problem with offshoring is that no one gives it, it the time and day that's required for education, training. Um, you know, you can't build your team to, to have the same sort of feeling as you do in in your office. And and the people when you offshore it, you're trying to communicate things that uh, that the people communicate and don't actually understand what they're communicating because they've never experienced it, right? Yeah. And so from a a service point of view, I think um, keeping it onshore is a big thing as well. Um, But the other thing as well, we made sure that everybody is a one-stop shop, right? So we've we've gone away with... Uh, we've gone away, we've, oh, is, uh, I'll transfer you to sales or i transfer you to here or wherever it is, right? We's, everybody should be able to do everything and, and we're very, and, and obviously that takes time for people to learn when they come into the business, but the one-stop shop means that call, make one call, that person could connect your MBN. you know, if you have, have a challenge, we can book a technician to go out, they can sell you a new mobile phone, they can fix your phone um, and all those different things and I think that just gives a lot of confidence to our customer that every time they ring, Every person they speak to, they're going to get all the answers they need without being chopped and changed and sent around. Um, and then, and then, also on, on, on top of that, um, consistency is key. And we, we've put a lot of AI technology into our business that sort of looks at all. Um, it takes all the audio files of our course and spits them into, you know, like word word clouds and things like like that to understand what we're saying, when we're saying them, and why and it allows our education team to make sure that we're we're uh, making sure we fix things or or change things based on sentiment scores and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of detail there, but I mean, I think first and foremost it's the it's the theory, process planning, our uh, planning process communication, it's onshoring, it's uh, and it's the in the systems that we have.
0: And uh, I can just see how having just speaking to one person would be you know a huge win for customers like we've all been on bank things and you get to a certain stage and think oh we've got it now got a transfer you think oh my god here we go again
1: (laughs) and (laughs) And you you get the
0: the music and you think oh here we go we're gonna start all over again so that is a huge um a huge benefit but it, it must lead to your services costing more, and the need to charge more, and you you find that um, in most situations, cus,
1: customers are very happy to do that. Yeah, and and look, the good thing is that we don't charge more. We're we're, we're not the cheapest, but we're not the most expensive as well, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, so so we're right in the middle. Um, and I think uh, and and if you bundle mobile with internet, we we do become the cheapest internet in the market, right? And so. Um, and and so our, our business is a scale business, right? Uh, we, where we where we get the reward is on number of customers, not individual customers. So sure, margins are low, right? But um, but we know that um, we don't we don't get as many. My opinion is, if I know from the industry, we get half the amount of calls that other businesses would get because we fix things the first time, and mm-hmm. our systems allow things not to break in certain ways. And so so I mean, our our our, our process allows us to. Keep that sort of margin model with the prices that we have, and with the with the you know the one stop shop service that we offer. Um, don't get me wrong; it's a balance every day, right? Um, but I mean, I I, I just think you got to, if you do things better the first time, then they won't come back at you, right?
0: Definitely, definitely. If you believe, like we do, that a leader's number one priority is to build a more caring and resilient team who enjoys growing together, you may be interested in these three free resources we've provided at our website, factorc.com.au. The first one is the We Care Credo Poster, and this contains the mindset and values of teams that prize self-care, crew care, and red zone care. The second resource is a poster called How to Support a Teammate in Distress. And this provides easy to follow instructions on how to identify someone who's struggling, how to have the okay?" conversation with empathy, and how to guide them to the help that they need. And the third resource is a building a mentally healthy culture checklist. And this provides items to think about before you launch an initiative, how you do a great launch, and then thirdly, how to keep the momentum going following the launch. These three free resources can be found at factorc.com.au.
1: How
0: do you uh, practice self care?
1: For me, I'm a planner, right? I think planning allows me to put blocks of things I need to do in my life, whether it be, I like to call it personal life admin, right? Outside of work, there's life (laughs) admin. That's, you know, going to the shops or paying the bills or trying to go to the gym or or going to see something that you want to see, right? Um, But I'm a planner. So, I mean, my calendar is my life. Uh, People go, you know, can't you be spontaneous? But Oh, but my, my view is that from if I plan myself, I know from six till midnight that I can not be spontaneous because I got nothing to worry about. I can sit and watch a TV show, or I can you know go uh, go and visit the family, or or whatever it is, and so. My the way it works for me is that I, I plan it, and I I know that at a certain time um, I can do whatever the hell I want to do because I've got no uh, business or personal commitments, and so that's how I do it, right? And it seems to work for me. And don't get me wrong, you always you probably don't always stay true to what you do, but um, that's my in my world that that's how it works for me.
0: And how do you encourage all your employees to? Um... You know, to, to value looking after themselves as well.
1: Yeah, look, you know, I, I, I feel like we do it because okay, business is business and, and, and we, we've got to do a job in, in which it gives you the pay to, to go and live your life. But I think what we do is that we're very structured in our approach. So we, we, use, we use a tool called Asana, right? I'm not sure if it's a project management tool. But basically uh, we say in our business, If it's not in asana, it didn't happen, right? And and, and the power of that is that you know what you need to achieve by when and how how you do it is up to you, right? And so I think that enables them to have self-care because they can plan their life. Okay, they say that, okay, I've got four tasks due this week. I know three of them are due on Thursday and one's on Tuesday. I've got time on Wednesday to, I don't know, start at 10 and go to the gym uh, later and have a bit of a sleep in because maybe I'll work late that night or take my kids to school because I can make it this day and so on and so forth and I say so the way we encourage it is that the, the, so the way we do it is that let's plan properly know what you need to do by when and however you do it is is, is up to you and that's your life and, and and how you achieve it and I think what that does is that okay well how do you fit in the things that matter to your life outside of work to achieve the goals, you need to hit inside of work, and I think that, my opinion, that works. And and I think, and I think the team love it, right?
0: Yeah, and uh, and I guess it's underpinned by this uh, loyalty and trust you talk about. You know, you let people take responsibility to to work at how they can make it happen themselves. And uh, you know, just talking with you, it, it makes me think of a. Another book I read called "Everybody Matters" by Bob Chapman. I'm not sure if you've heard of that book. I haven't heard
1: of it. I haven't read it. I have heard of yeah, it. Yeah,
0: he's also got a, a TED talk, but um, he's he's right in your lane. Like the subtitle of the book is uh, "How to S- Achieve Extraordinary Results by Treating Employees Like Family," and he's in the manufacturing business in the U.S., which has you know just been hammered but they're just doing so well because they really invite people to contribute. When they take over a new business, they say, we're not doing any retrenchments. Tell us what what you've been saying we should be doing for the last six months and we'll do it. (laughs) And uh, they've just, it's got to the stage where, you know, they've got this reputation when they take over a new company, the employees celebrate because they know that uh, they're going to be involved in the future of the business. So, uh, and Yeah, there just seems to be lots of uh, similarities to the way that uh, you run Mate.
1: Yeah, and and, and Graham, you know, I I love how you say that. And, you know, um, I go back to 2019 when we sort of took a step back to to say, hey, shit, this, this business is actually working. Let's take it to the next level. And I designed a mission statement that um, we are the everyday people providing products consumers want with the value and service they deserve. And I think the everyday people line really represented the people we had in the business and the people we hire today. And I think that statement is sort of drives a team because they know it's about them instead of some funky buzzword that so represents something that they don't understand, right? And so. Yeah, so I think and to your point, the mission statement was based on that as well.
0: Yeah, and I, I really like that mission statement because it's aspirational but it also tells, you know, who you're serving and how you're serving them and um, that's a, a great
1: thing to have in one statement. And um, how do you keep that top of mind with people? Uh, I mean, apart from visual elements, um, I think uh, I think from a personality point of view, we're, we're probably not your traditional corporate environment, not to the point uh, – um, that that like you know I'll go in and, and have a laugh with people you know uh, you know no matter who you are what you do in our business the the doors are open you know we, we try and keep it like a um what's a hot this a hot dressing type of environment where people sit wherever they want to do one day you could be sitting next to the CEO my brother David the other time you could be sitting next to uh, to myself or somebody else but from my from my brother David and my point of view. We always try and play tricks on everybody because, uh, which gives us a bit of laugh, right? So we'll we we'll play table tennis and all we'll do something else and. Sometimes the guys wouldn't even have a clue who they're talking to, whether it's David or Mark, and and we have a little bit of a leaderboard. So how many times, how many times do you get David or Mark wrong, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and stuff we put it against a leaderboard, and and whoever got it wrong the most gets a prize. So <laughs> some, some things like that. So it's sort of like it's it's a very sometimes it can be a very high tense environment because there's so much going on. But I think those little things like that. David and Mark, who got it wrong, board, and, and all those different things just balance it all out, right? And so to take away, hey, yeah, sure, they might own the business, they may run the business, um, they may be the executive team, but they're just like everybody else, and which is true to our, our mission statement, the everyday people, right? Yeah.
0: When you think about uh, your career, and of course, before, mate, as well, can you think of a time where you had a real career crisis?
1: Um, yeah, I, I can actually. Um, I, I, uh, between, before I went to Microsoft, um, so it was uh, Engine, which I worked for, right, um, which was really great. And that sort of came to an end because Channel, Se- Channel 7 and Unwired, back then, they all bought the business and it merged and whatever it was, wrong. and I was on my next, where I was going next. And, you know, I took a, a role at BlackBerry, which is via an agency, and pro- and then that was a time where BlackBerry was big, then it died, it died because the iPhone, all these different things happened. And then I moved into 20th Century Fox, which I absolutely hated, to be honest with you, because I found it was boring and just wasn't hitting the elements that I loved in myself and what I was doing. No with disrespect to the company, obviously, it was just what it was. And, and then I, I, I sort of – it was the first time I had two jobs in the space of, what, two, two years or two and a half years – and I thought, shit, what the hell am I doing? Like where am I going? What am I trying to achieve? Right. And I said, this is not like me. I'm a planner. You know, like uh, I, I I plan things, I save, I I do what I need to do, and I know what's going on. And these these two and a half, three years, I felt like I was always in limbo doing jobs that probably I didn't even like or I didn't know what, what the purpose was. And and that was really it, right? And and then I um I thought, okay, then and that, that was that was my that was my big time where I thought I didn't know what the hell was going on and what I should be doing. And and then, like, I came across this role at Microsoft, and, again, I just applied for it because I thought, oh, Microsoft's tech. It's a big company. Let's see what I can do. I probably didn't think uh, that, again, I thought it was just another another, another job to have because I wasn't happy where I was. But I came across a lady named Nicole Robinson who's still there now, and she gave me purpose in the interview, right? She said, she said, Microsoft, uh, Microsoft is, is this is your job, but this is what you can do, right? And she spoke about well, if you, you could do this, you could do that, you could get into product management, you can get in here, you could move overseas, and she, she gave me a career path in the first 30 minutes of an, of an interview, let alone being the job. And it just, it, it, honestly, from the f- first 30 seconds, it gave me a purpose, and, uh, and, that, and that fixed all my challenges, right? That half an hour conversation fixed all the challenges I had in the three years before. Yeah, it is amazing, isn't it, the role that
0: purpose can have in providing real fulfilment in work. There was a, a report came out just about a couple of months ago by Atlassian and PwC, and it identified that the number one societal issue that that um, employees were concerned about was mental health. It even became ahead of access to healthcare and to um, and and cost of living. So. And what they also found that on average, the fifty-four um, percent of employees were engaged in their work, but if their company was addressing some of these societal issues, that uh, engagement went up to eighty-nine percent. You know, knowing their company isn't just about making a dollar; it's about helping to change the world and make the world a bit better as well. And um, and that is what I, you know, also think is this this purpose um, isn't just nice to have. I think it's really critical to negotiate tough times.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Graham. And let me give you an example and of our business, right? And um, I, I do it because I'm very, I, I want to talk about it because I'm very proud of it. But I mean, if I look at uh, Mark or, or Racco, we call him in our business, he, he was a foreman, you know, a trade, uh, tradesman worker. And he, um, you know, he busted his back, his knees. He was, you know, in his what, early 30s, young family and couldn't go back to the trade that he was in, right, and because he couldn't physically do it. And and he came into our business, you know, looking for a job and m- nearly in tears saying, I've got no experience and, I, and I've and i come from a, from a trading background, but I know, like, I like tech. Uh, I can talk to people. If you give me a chance, uh, you know, I'll make a difference. And now he heads up our customer service technical team. He's the, he's a leader, and he may have tats and, and all these different things, but he's one of the most important people we have in our business today, and he, he wouldn't be the traditional corporate person, but he's one of the best people uh, at the job that he does, and everybody loves him. He, he delivers family-first uh, values. He, he's the most helpful guy. He's hands-on all these different things that really say a lot about his personality um, and all we did was give him a chance and now he's, he's one of the biggest differences of why, why our business is successful. Um, and, yeah. And I love that approach which I've also read
0: about some of the in some of your articles about, you know, you hire for attitude and values and can then train people. I was a recruiter for 15 years and it always used to frustrate me so much that, People looking for exact backgrounds, exact skills that would be right for that, because as you've already highlighted, you can train people, but you can't change attitudes. You can't change values. And if if they're driven,
1: if they want to make a difference, um, you know that's that's the key element. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. and and, and my opinion, and you, you can tell a lot about people's attitude and motivation within the first 15 minutes of talking to them, right? You know, the, the, the question I ask, you know, in interviews that, tell me about you. What do you like to do? And if they can't talk passionately about the things that they like to do, then, you know, there's not a lot of motivation there, right? Um, to do the things that maybe you don't want to do, which is work, right? Um, uh, and so, uh, yeah, so true. And yeah. And then having mul- having multiples of those people just inspires people around you as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. It does. Uh, and and when you're on that mission and
0: people are encouraged to try new things, you know, one of the things that I've seen in the last two years in particular is the increase in the concept of, of teen psychological safety. And what that means is that people can be themselves, they can be authentic, but they can take moderate risks. They're encouraged to take moderate risk, to try new things. Um, And if it doesn't work out, you learn from it. Someone doesn't get crucified. And it sounds like that's, you know, an important element in terms of how you run the business as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, we do, and, and and so one thing we really encourage is that is everything every time we hire for a job, it's internal first, no matter what it is, right? Because we want to make sure that everybody has everybody have done the, the hard yards, have the opportunity to do something first. And to your point, we give everybody sort of a buddy system. So, what what is one role that you want to learn in the business that you? have no clue about today, but you're interested in right? You know, um, whether it be finance, whether it be sales or marketing, whether it be channel sales or whatever it is. And we, and every week, everybody has the opportunity to at least spend one hour in that division to understand what they do and how they do it to see if they ever want to do it, right? Um, you know, uh, one thing that we have probably haven't done properly from the start but that we're doing properly now is doing that formal structure around the career progression right and that comes down to one because 19 of the family started so it was your cousins that you're dealing with right and then you're my auntie's backyard and then you're just and as a small business you put band-aids in place and then you realize shit this thing just actually worked (laughs) and we didn't even realize and and now 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 we've now we've got 70 something people and we, we need to we need to sort it out make sure they're they've got a career plan because we're only, we're only planning to grow again and we need to work out, okay, what's succession plan, who's going to come in here and when are we going to do that, do we know enough about them, all these different things, right?
0: Yeah, very, very much so. What uh, do you think your team would nominate as your number one strength?
1: Um, I think they would nominate uh, my number one strength as communication. Um, I think I'm an open book Um I would say communication, um, and I'm well planned. Those, and I think uh, that's what they that would say about me. I mean, that's, that's from a from a that's from a that's from a, uh, a a work perspective. I think from a personal perspective, uh, that would call me very empathetic, right? Uh, uh, I I I always want to find out about somebody before I find out what they can do. I want to know about them before before what what, what they deliver that makes sense, and so. I hope to think that's what they say about me. <laughs> um, yeah, like I think I think I'm, I think they will tell I'm a good communicator and a good planner. So they know what's going to happen and when to expect it. And I think if they've got a challenge in life or work that um, they can come to me without being scared to tell me what it is, and and for me not to judge them about um, whatever they're, whatever they're struggling with. You
0: mentioned previously about uh, Microsoft that that um, you were involved
1: in philanthropy there. What what was that? What, what what were you passionate about there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it all it all it all took place when I when I moved to Singapore. And I was working for Microsoft in Singapore. I had the opportunity to um, to go and. Um, you know, fix up orphanages in, um, so I spent a lot of time in, um, um, in Vietnam in, um, in orphanages uh, where I was, in, uh, you know, dealing with kids that obviously were abandoned and we spent time, you know, playing with the kids, painting their rooms, buying them new, you know, beds and toys and things like that. And it was just, uh, that's, uh, and, and, you know, creating, you know, um, buying them food, uh, supporting them with technology to learn and educate and stuff like that. Um, and that's what I that's what I did there. So you know, I'm, I'm a very family person. I've got I haven't got kids myself, but I've got a lot of nieces and nephews, and I've been an uncle at a very young age. And so, I, I and 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 my eldest niece and nephew work at mates, so we, <laughs> we, keep, it, we keep it close. But um, uh, so I think you know, kids and and what their future, uh, what 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 future they deserve is very important, right? And I, I look at how my fam- how my parents struggled and my grandparents struggled to to give us a life and. Um, I think uh, everybody deserves a life of some sort to be able to achieve their goals. And, you know, when I was at Microsoft, I had the opportunity to go to orphanages to support uh, those kids. I think it was a no-brainer and it just gives you so much more purpose in life. Yeah. Especially in technology. Like, you know, you look at Sachin Nadella. His goal is to empower people with technology and just going there and allow them to communicate with with family, it allowed them to to educate when they had no opportunity of an education, if that made sense. Um, you know, online courses, you name it, they were able to have an education from a simple PC without having the money or the ability to go out and, and go to school, right? Yeah. And so that's, that's the power of it.
0: Can you think of a time in the last day, year or two where you've been concerned about someone and you've asked them, are you okay?
1: Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have. Somebody in my team... You know, you know, you when you work, I mean, you spend most of your time at work, right? Let's be honest, right? Um, and hopefully now you, you might be doing work, but hopefully you get, you got the flexibility of working from home and things like that. So you get close and, and understand how the people you manage um, act and how they feel. And I think it's quite easy to tell one day or, or over a couple of days that where they're, they're, they're just not themselves, right? um and yeah and, and recently over the last not last month the month before maybe um i had one person in on the team who you could tell that you know uh one day they came in and heads were down and just quiet usually to, to not what they're used to and then probably happened the second day and then the third day you realize okay this is it's not just that because they're not feeling great or or something else there's something's really challenging happening and um, and, and lo and behold, they had a, a family challenge that they probably um, never that had the environment in their life to talk about it outside, maybe with their siblings or, or their parents or whatever it is. And um, I, I think what I did, I gave them the opportunity to feel comfortable to talk about it when in their personal life, they probably had no one or, or, or somebody to talk about it with. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, not to go into too much detail, but that that happened, and I think as an employer, as a manager, um, I think we—that's part of our role to acknowledge that as well, right? Um, you know, not to get into get into their business, but I think if you work with somebody every day and you're talking to them every day, you know if something's up, right? And your job is not to potentially solve it, but your job is to acknowledge it and then and and show your show your support and if uh, and let them take that for what they will, right?
0: Yeah. And and can you think of a time when um, someone asked you, "Are, are you okay?", and it, it was really helpful.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, the best thing in life, or right, the best thing, like, say, so working with your brothers, um, and especially your twin brother. He can, and I know they say that twins feel stuff, right? It's so true. It's, it's so true. Like, I mean, we, we, I mean, just a side subject. I remember I was living in Singapore and I came back for a wedding. We both went to the wedding. We both bought the same clothes from the same shop, right? <laughs> uh, right? Same shirt, same pants, you know, and, and the shoes, right? So it was, it was, twins do feel it. And um, and the, the good thing for me is that when I work every day, I, um, you know, whether obviously there's a lot of family that I work with and, and obviously friends for mate, but you know my brother can look at me and know something's wrong, right? And makes it a lot easier. And so he can ask me without asking me if that makes sense. And uh, yeah, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been plenty of times. You know, I've, I've uh, you know uh, a couple months ago I was, I was I was sick for some reason, and you know, it's all sorted now. It's fine. And uh, my brother asked me about that, and you know, and and I didn't talk about it, but he knew shut away. And so yeah, I think sometimes people people don't want to burden people with things. But um, but when they're asked, they feel like they can, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the key. Ask, right? There's yeah. a lot of these, these mental health um, organisations like Are You Okay and you know Ask a Mate and things like that. And maybe as males we sometimes close in, but I think I think the the biggest thing we can do with our friends is just to ask because ask somehow opens up your mind to say, well, I can tell, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and you're right, many males uh, are in denial or, you know, refuse to admit it. But there's so many examples where that has been overcome by someone just, you know, following up again. You yeah. still notice you're not great. And someone might not be ready to, to talk the first time, the second time, the third time. They could be. And uh, as long as it's done the right way, you show you care, it, uh, it does make a, a big difference, a difference and uh, people sense that
1: yeah and, and Graham and something else is um, take them take them out of the situation as well so for example like this this situation where I I had a, a team member that had a challenge right um, I mean asking in the work environment um, where everybody was there and they potentially could get upset or whatever it is you know to them was probably embarrassing or I don't want everybody else to see it so simple things like hey let's go get a coffee down the road. Let's go to lunch today. What are you doing lunch today? Let's go. Let's go have lunch together, and then bring it up. Then is is the best thing you can do. You take them into a, a neutral environment where they can be themselves because they're just in front of you and feel comfortable about talking. And so, I think that's that's another big thing that people need to realise as well. Find a, a place or a situation that that is comfortable as well.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure catching up today, Mark. I really love the wide range of subjects we've talked about and, and just trying to embed the concept of family in a, in a rapidly growing business is a, is a great thing to, to be striving for. If you had to go back to your 18 year old self, knowing what you know now, having the experience you have now, what advice would you give your eighteen year old self?
1: Don't be shy, be uh believe in Don't be shy and be confident about what you think. Uh but not arrogant, right? Um I think back when I was 18 I was I was quite shy and I probably had ideas and concepts in all right not just business, not just work, not just you know personal life that I thought oh like is that right? Uh are people going to tease me about it or, or whatever it is I just think um I think you just got to be. Uh, don't be shy. Just be uh, be confident about what you think, uh, and, don't, and uh, but don't be arrogant about it.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Thanks so much for being part of the uh, caring CEO, Mark. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Graham. We appreciate you having me on. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you've learned something new and heard some practical tips you can try with your team. If you enjoyed this interview today, please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. When you rate us, it helps other people to find us. We also welcome any comments. If you're interested in seeing details about our scalable WeCare Mental Health training programs, please visit us at factorc.com.au. Our goal for these programs is to make them accessible, practical, and ongoing. If you've been impressed by a CEO that you would like us to interview, please email details to support at factorc.com.au. Thanks for joining us.